This is the observance day, the half moon, and uh, we're usually accustomed here to sit up till midnight, practicing meditation. Uh, Venerable Vipassi prepared some very good notes as on the Paticca Samupada. If you, I think there's a notice on the bulletin board. If you'd like a copy, you could write your name on that list. The second noble truth, it's important to review that again, is the arising or the samudhaya of dukkha, which is due to the dhamma-dhana, pavadhana, vipavadhana, the grasping, the upadhana, the grasping of the desires. So then we, this refers to the Dana Upadana Bhava sequence in Paticca Samupada. And the insight, uh, that insight is that there is this uh, origin or the, the arising and that desire should be let go of. And this is the second noble truth is the insight knowledge of letting go Pahadapandi. Paha is a Pali word for laying down, letting things go. To let go of, to lay down, to leave alone. And that Letting go then is, is a kind of practice. Of course, I often talk a lot about letting go. Some people think that I connect my name with the letting go practice. And some people think that all I teach is just say, let go, whatever happens, say, let go. Let go, let go. But it's not just a, a that that I've been teaching, but a, a, a real investigation of suffering and the insight of letting go through that understanding. It's not just a just an I- nice idea to let go of suffering, because if it's coming from just the desire to get rid of and not be bothered, then that's not really letting go, is it? 
the vipavadanha or the desire to get rid of something is quite subtle so that we want you to get rid of our defilements is another kind of desire so letting go is not not a getting rid of or or putting down with any aversion like talking about the rotting corpse you say let go doesn't mean to to because you don't like it you just refuse to look at it and reject it it's letting go means to be able to be with it without making without dwelling in aversion because aversion is a, is an attachment if you if you have a lot of aversion it means you're still attached fear aversion all this comes is 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 ubadana or grasping clinging <coughs> that's why they they're talking about at tea time about the rotting corpse while you're drinking your tea and your peppermint tea this kind of delightful subject came up the rotting corpse bloated putrid maggots crawling out of its eyes mouth go up and touch it what's it like to touch something a, a human form that is in the state of putrefaction you don't want to touch it I didn't and I was easy to go up and hug it kiss it but the determination you have to make it I had to make myself make myself do it but then the then the the actual opening the mind to it one began to feel dispassion dispassion is is awareness and acceptance of of it as it is not making not not making anything not creating it letting go of the aversion to what is ugly or unpleasant so letting go isn't a, a trite phrase that one just says let go as a way of dismissing but it it is a an a, a deep insight into the nature of things and letting go therefore is not is being able to bear with something unpleasant the and not create not not dwell in aversion be caught up with anger aversion disgust and so and these negative states or being depressed by it dispassion is not a depression dispassion is cool when i came out of that hospital after seeing that rotting corpse we walked through the the uh, across we had to cross the river back to the other side to the bangkok side and through the uh, marketplace the actual visual consciousness was was dispassionate it looked at people no longer was a, a sense of uh, it wasn't wasn't averse or critical or negative or lustful or anything like that it was cool it was it was a very calm feeling wasn't wasn't depression or aversion 
uh, this passion was not a negative state, but a cool, calm, seeing, knowing. Now, how many of you just dismiss the unpleasant side of your own body, the unpleasantness of the functions of your body that you that you uh, tend to just want, you can just dismiss, refuse to to acknowledge. And that there's certain functions of the human body that are uh, not beautiful. And so that is uh, is something that in polite society we don't mention. We don't talk about. We have all kinds of euphemisms. Ways of politely excusing ourselves at appropriate moments. And without trying to hide any, any, any unpleasantness about what might actually be going on. Because on that one level, these functions are are uh, unpleasant, aren't they? They're, they're not beautiful functions. They're not what one wants to be identified with. One doesn't want the perception of oneself is connected to those functions. When we, the image, say, of wanting our presence to be something connected with with something pleasing or interesting or attractive. If we're having our photograph taken, it's always in some uh, very attractive setting, isn't it, with flowers? Not on the toilets, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? Why don't we? Must be some kind of strange sense of humor. Usually, we have with with flowers, bouquet of roses, carnations, that which uh, sets us off and is the the background that that connects, that makes us, gives us a good appearance. When, with all the attempts to, to say, disguise just the, 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 the natural process of a, of a human life, isn't it? Of covering up the wrinkles, dyeing the hair, um, doing everything to, to make ourselves look younger, because aging is unattractive, isn't it? As we get older, we lose, say, that which we consider beautiful and attractive, sickness. Death. Oh, contemplating this, that which is attractive and unattractive, this, the, the, uh, now say in our reflections on Paticca Samuppada, is 
to really be aware of this. And this is this is this is the way things are in this realm of the sensory sensory consciousness. That's what sensory consciousness is. It you connect you connect from being in this position of a of an individual being, an entity, with sense organs that contact objects, which can be anything from the most beautiful and pleasant to the most hideous and ugly. And that operates, that is the, the whole sense world, from, from sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought. And we call that the Vedana, uh, that, that, that dualism of the, the, uh, the, say the, the pleasant, the painful, the neutral, which applies to all the senses, doesn't it? What we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think, can, has, can be very attractive or very unattractive, very pleasing or very unpleasant or neutral. So Vedana, I, I use that particular word, that, that the khanda, as the, as the concept for that, for the attraction-repulsion So when we experience Vedana, we're, we, when we contemplate Vedana, we're, we're aware of, of the, uh, the pleasant, painful, beautiful, ugly, or neutral through, uh, through the body, through the, uh, what we see or hear, smell, taste, touch, or think. Like even memories can be very attractive, can't we? The pleasing memories, unpleasant memories, and memories that are neither one or the other. So with Vedana, it would, uh, we, we, you can use, Vedana is used differently in different uh, suttas and so forth, but this is how I would, how I find it helpful to, to use it in this, in this way, as the, as the attractive, unattractive, and neutral through, uh, of all that we, we contact through the senses. And then from the Vedana, desire, if we're, if we're heedless, and with that avicca, the view of a self, the I am, the assumption, unquestioned assumption that I am the, the five khandhas, and then, then the attractive, the unattractive and neutral is interpreted with desire. I want the beautiful, I want the pleasant, I want to be happy, I want to be successful, I want to be praised. I want to be appreciated. I want to be loved. I don't want to be uh, persecuted. I don't want to be unhappy. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be looked down on. I don't want to to uh, be criticized. I don't want ugly things around me. I don't want to have to look or be around the unpleasant or the ugly or the foul or the putrid. You know, if, if one sees that rotting corpse from the I am, from Avicca, you know, the Vedana is there and then the desire, I can't stand this, I don't like this, this is horrible, I don't want to see it, 
disgusting, it's sick. Buddhist monks must must be some kind of demon. They sit around sitting there just watching a, a corpse rot. Well, we shouldn't. We should just we should burn it, get it rid, bury it, get rid of it. Because I don't like those things. I don't want to be around the ugly and the and that which stinks and smells and and is unpleasant. So that then they that's the desire to get rid of, to get away from. So dunha in this in a, uh, relationship to Vedana, when there's when there is uh, the sense of of a self, then the Vedana is interpreted in this personal way. It's like the functions of our body. Uh, if we think of, I don't, uh, you know, we all know that we, these functions are just part of n- nature, but we don't want to think of them as being really mine, do we? Like, I have to, to urinate, or I, this is what, what I am, is, is one who urinates, or one who defecates, do we? We don't, that's not an image that we would like to have kind of passed on in history. Tomato the urinator. Tomato <laughs> <laughs> the abbot of Amravati, now that, that's all right. You know. When I write my autobiography, it'll be filled with things like that, you know. Tomato the, the um, disciple of Ajahn Chah, Tomato the The American monk, but the but he's a nice American monk. I'll give you all the nice little incidents of my life from childhood about. I could select all the all the nice things, the things you want recorded about yourself in your in your biography. About the kind of how sensitive I was as a little child and and. Uh, Innocent and pure, <coughs> and maybe a little mischievous now and then, as I wouldn't just seem like a cupid doll. But in most in, in biographies, they, they don't talk about the the uh, unpleasant functions of the body. Or these things are are just dismissed. So we can we we we're not to kind of go around thinking that we should we should identify with those functions, but begin to just notice the tendency to to not want to be bothered, not wanting to pay attention, not wanting to observe a lot of that which is just part of our life. The way things are. In mindfulness then we're we we are opening our mind to the the whole of it to the to the whole of 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 the of life, which includes the the beautiful, the ugly, the pleasant, the painful, the neutral.
So in our reflections on Paticca Samuppada, it's connected to this second noble truth. This is this is where the sequence of dana ubadana pawa is is most useful. Because uh, to investigate the grasping, ubadana, panchubadana kanda, that grasping of the five aggregates, the five kandas. And grasping or clinging in, the, in this sense can be either grasping because we like them or grasping through aversion, trying to get rid of them. Trying to, uh, because the, the grasping with aversion, pushing away, reject, running away, is upadana. As well as trying to get hold of the beautiful and possess it and keep it. Seeking after the, the desirable, the, lo- the, the loved, trying to get away, get rid of the undesirable, unlovable. And when we contemplate, investigate upadana, then, then the, the more we do that, the more we can see that the, that the insight arises of desire should be let go of, should be. This is, this is in, the, in the Second Noble Truth, the, the, that there is, that, that suffering or desire arises. It should be let go of. And then through the practice of letting go, through the actual practice of, and, and understanding of what letting go really is, we we have the third insight into the second noble truth, which is desire has been let go of. We know, they, we actually know letting go. It's not just the theoretical letting go or a rejection of anything, it's the actual insight. Vahinanti, desire has been let go of. There is this letting go. It's accomplished, you know it. It's, a, it's an insight, nyanadasana. That sequence, then, in, in the say, in discussing the second noble truth, there's the there's the statement: there is, there is the origin of suffering. There's a, there is the samudaya. It should be let go of. The third insight is: it has been let go of. And that's what practice is all about, is fulfilling those three. And that they apply to all, to each noble truth. There's the, the statement, there's the, the what to do, and then the result of that. There is suffering, the first noble truth, there is suffering, there is dukkha. It should be understood, it has been understood. The three aspects of the three insights into the first noble truth. There is suffering. It should be understood. It has been understood. Second noble truth. There is the origin of the samudaya of suffering, which is desire, grasping of desire. It should be let go of, and it has been let go of. The third noble truth. There is a cessation. Niroda, 
it should be realized and the third insight into the third noble truth is it has been realized the fourth noble truth there is the path the eightfold path the way out of suffering it should be developed and it has been developed now this is this is this is insight knowledge and we think of what does an arahant know what is the knowledge of an arahant it's this he knows suffering he knows there is suffering the arahant knows suffering should be understood the arahant knows when suffering has been understood the arahant knows the origin of suffering it should be let go of it has been let go of the arahant knows there is cessation it should be realized it has been realized the arahant knows there is the path it has been de- it should be developed it has been developed these these are the 12 insights this is what what we call arahantship the knowledge of 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 one who has those insights now the second the second noble truth then with the paticca samuppada is is uh, is a kind of really close investigation of of that whole process the i am from avicca vajaya sankara Now, the, the grasping of the five khandas is the problem. The five khandas are dhammas. When we do tamanupasana, satipatthana, we're contemplating the five khandas, the patita samuppada, the six ayatanas, the, the four noble truths, the, the, uh, all this. These are dhammas to be studied and, and investigated. So the five khandas, Namarupa, Vijnana, Salayatana, Pasavedana, and all this are just the way things are. They're not a self, they're impermanent, uh, and, and it's to know the way it is, is to know the Dhamma. And so the, the, the uh, grasping of the conditioned world as a self, through des- uh, the desire and the grasping and the becoming is based on the illusion of a self as being the five khandas. And that's what we mean by avicca. Avicca means that, that there is this belief that I am the five khandas. And so that, that then, then, then because of that, then they then the uh, how we live our lives comes from that ignorance the volitional activities from that ignorance all interpret everything with the I am and the and the desires and the grasping of desire and the becoming and and the result is Dharamarana I the if you're grasping the body if you're grasping Rupakanda uh, as self, then I get old. 
Chara, I'm getting old. Me, my body, it's 54 this year. Getting old. It's kind of saggy and wrinkly. I'm getting old. And it's and that belief that I'm getting old because the body is, is, is aging is a kind of suffering, isn't it? If there's no self, it's not self, then there's no suffering. I'm, it's, there's, a, there's a kind of ex- appreciation of its aging. It's nice that it ages. I don't, there's no, no kind of feeling that, it, that anything's wrong with the with body getting old. It's what's supposed to do that. That's its nature. It's not me, it's not mine, it's just it's doing what it's supposed to do. Perfect, isn't it? Would be upset, maybe, if it started getting younger. <laughs> Imagine if I just started getting younger. Fifty years from now, I'd be back in nappies and all that. And have to go through all that again. So that the fact that it is getting the, the the thought, I'm getting old, isn't a sorrowful uh, thought. It isn't. There's no. There's no unpleasantness. There's no suffering when I think I'm getting old. It's a convention. Uh, way. It's a conventional way of talking about the body. But if if I'm if this is what I think I am, this is I'm the body. This is my body, and in. Uh, avicca, bhajja, sankara, everything coming from that is, oh, I'm getting old, I want to get old, I want to be young, I want to live a long life, I want to to have a youthful attractiveness. And Don't you call me an old man, you young whippersnappers. My father, he, he gets on like that. He's, he's 90. He hates being called old. His old man you know, gets very angry and upset. He says, old man. And he resents it, resents what happens. The, the way the body kind of uh, doesn't move so well and, and, uh, and the bitterness and, and the fear. You can see my father, he's frightened. He's really frightened. He knows he's going to die and he'd like to die, in fact, but he's frightened of it because... The thought comes, I'm going to die. The body's about ready to die. It's 90. It not, doesn't function very well. He can't take care of himself anymore. He has to live in a home, nursing home. And it's all pretty horrible for him because it's, it's me and mine. It's, it's me. I can't, I can't do, I can't look after myself anymore. He's a very proud man. Always independent, taking self-sufficient, independent, capable, successful man, and now he's just an old wreck, suffering, suffering, bitterness, fear, anxiety, worry, uh, obsessive mind. Why? Because of the identity with the body. And then I'm going to die. Jara, and then there's Marana. Yeah. I'll die. Oh, that's a morbid thing. Let's not even talk about death. 
course we're all going to die, but that's, that's far away. When you're young, you, can, you think of, oh, death is, you know, so far away. Let's enjoy life. But when anyone we know dies, or, or we have uh, almost, or we nearly die, whatever, then death can be a very frightening, threatening thing, even when you're very young. I'm going to die. And all that's from attachment, uh, the identity, I am this body, this is me, it's my body. And all the suffering that comes, the, the soka pariteva tukatomanasa upayasa, about identity with the body. What if, what if we don't like the way we look? Think of how much suffering we have because we're, we're not as, uh, maybe as attractive as we'd like to be. Or we have some ugly features, or or whatever. And people in a world where there's so much emphasis on being attractive and glamorous, in a society that that nourishes that identity, every woman should be glamorous and beautiful. Every man should be handsome. And then we suffer because we look in not as Thought is uh, you've got too many. You know, some some people are, are there's always <coughs> something wrong with us. Nose is too big, mouth too wide, eyes too small, hair too thin. Complexion not beautiful. Our figures. Feet too big. Another anguish I had when I was young about big feet. And then I had to go get my foot ruined. My right foot, they got even bigger. And I became a monk, so I had to walk around barefoot. If it had been a layman, I could have kind of hidden it away with trousers and that. Become a Buddhist monk where the, the old thing shows, and always kind of puffy, bloated appearance, walking around with this ugly foot. Mm. This body, this, this soka paritewa tukatomanasa upayasa, of my foot, it's ugly ugly, big, and everybody says, what's wrong with your foot? And you just explain it over and over again. <laughs> I was thinking while I was walking out in my big boots the other day, I mean, you know, how, how nice it is to live in a country where you can wear big boots like that. And that's just to do with the body, isn't it? With, uh, with our perceptions of the body being self, with the appearance, whether it's male or female, 
whether it's uh, black or white, young or old, tall or short, fat or thin. And how much suffering there is in the human realm. Have you ever suffered from that, any of you? From, from identity with your body? Have you ever, any of you ever suffered? Or have you all just, that's never been terribly important to you? Then, then of course, there are the uh, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, all the views and opinions, the ditties we have, and the, the memories, the prejudices, the biases. The, as we, not only do we suffer from, from identity with the body, but when we attach to, to the beautiful and to Vedana, and anything, I want only the beautiful. I want only the pleasant. I only want to see beauty. I don't want to see the ugly. I only want to hear the beautiful, beautiful music and not ugly sounds. I want to smell only the most fragrant odors, not, none of the stinking ones, and only the delicious food and none of, none of the undelicious food. Pleasurable physical sensations, warmth and and I want to live in a climate where you're warm all the time. You have cozy, warm, pleasant, physical feelings on your body. Not these cold, damp, like here in England, isn't it? Cold and damp. So we, we can suffer about not wanting England to be cold and damp. Or wanting to go someplace where it's cozy and warm and and where everything is pretty and everything is nice and pleasant. And then all the views we have about ourselves and how everything should be. You can see and if you come in to Amravati how views about what monk should be, what nun should be, what anagarikas should be, what lay people should what Buddhists should be. what the world should be, Britain, and opinions about Britain and France and America and Soviet Union and all our ditties, views, opinions, attachments to these views, opinions, and perceptions, the, the sanya, Vedana, sanya, sankara sequence. And the attachment to that as a self. It's my view and what I think and what I want, what I don't want and what should be and what should not be. And the and so the avicca from the self, then the then everything that comes from that avicca in our thoughts and whatever is is I- interpreted in that way. So it always goes through to to Vedana, Dana, Ubadana, Bhava Jati, Jaramarana, Soka Pariteva, Tukatomanasa Upayasa.
So that Soka Parite with Tuka Tomanasa, that all the, the grief, anguish, despair, depression, sorrow, lamentation that we get from that illusion of a self. Now the the insight into the second noble truth, the origin, the samudaya, satcha, and then the there is that this dukkha is it begins. It's not a permanent, not absolute. It's not. It's always something that arises. Samudaya, the rising up of dukkha. Due to what? Due to the grasping of desire. So contemplate that, this grasping of desire. Even desire, you can see, is, 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 is dhamma, it arises and ceases. So that, you're, you're, what is desire? What is gama dhanna, power dhanna, vipavadhanna? What is it? So you, you take those words, gama dhanna, and, and you can see like, like desire for looking at beautiful objects. I want to, I want to look at only beautiful things, it's the desire that arises to to seek the beautiful or the pleasant on the sensual, like through the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the body. Dharma dhanha. His sensual desire. Now desire or sensual desire always wants the, the some kind of pleasurable uh, experience, isn't it? at least exciting or pleasurable. So gamma gamma dana, you can see that that is that that movement that we have of of going toward and trying to and then grasping the they sense pleasures. Bhavadanha, the desire to become. This is to do with wanting to become something because we, we don't know who we are, what we, we want to become, our ambitions, our desires to attain and achieve, and become something else. The becoming in the mind, is in, when you're not seeking just something delicious to eat and something beautiful music to listen to, we can, those things can be, we can dismiss all that and be caught in a realm of ambition and desire to become something, achieve and attain. And in this life, the bhavadhanha can be very strong, can't it? In the holy life, you can really be, it can be motivated by bhavadhanha. You're here to become enlightened and achieve and attain something. It all sounds very good, you know, certainly. It's not saying desire is bad, or that that, you, that desire implies always uh, something low or mean. But you can, even the desire to become enlightened, ambition to, to attain and achieve and become something else. From this avicca, from the self-view, I'm going to get enlightened. I'm going to become an arahant. I'm going to become the first American Arahant or something like that. I'm going to attain, I'm going to get out of something, I'm fed up with this world, I want to I want to get enlightened so I won't have to be reborn again. 
I don't want to have to be reincarnated. I don't want to have to come back. I don't have to go through childhood again. Go be born, go into a womb, go through all that process of birth, and then having to grow up. And I don't want any of that. I want to get out of that. You know? Want to become something where you don't have to be born a- anymore. And that can be bawadanha, vipawadanha. They kind of go hand in hand. In order to get rid of, in order to become something, you've got to get rid of the things you don't like, you don't want. I've got to get rid of my defilements, my kilesas, and I want to get rid of my bad habits, and get rid of my desires, and get rid of my tendencies, and get rid of that which is in my way. And all that sounds very righteous, too. To want to get rid of evil things, annihilate the devil, kill the devil, can sound like a, a very good thing to do. The devil's evil, wicked, kill him. Defilements are bad. Get rid of them. So in the holy life, there's a lot of whippawadhanha, if you know, that we can op- we can live this life solely to get rid of things and become something, trying to become something by getting rid of something. And notice that the the second noble truth then is it should be desire should be let go of should be relinquished should be put put aside should be laid down. It's, it's a it's not a rejection of desire, but an understanding that you you let it go. You don't you don't you don't because otherwise it's vipawadana again. The desire to get rid of desire. So that pahadapanti is not. We should get rid of desire. It's desire should be let go of. Leave it alone. Don't don't grasp it. If you're grasping it, let it go. Know it. See it. But don't make anything out of it. Where if we if we if we're coming from a vicha and we have desire, I want to become uh, an enlightened being, and I shouldn't think like that. I shouldn't have a desire to become a Buddha. I shouldn't I shouldn't want to become anything. I should. Uh, get rid of my desires and I shouldn't be attached to anything. And all that the, the can be from Avicca Bhajaya Sankara. So then the the insight knowledge, desire, dhanha, should be let go of. The letting go of desire. I think letting go, just say, say like this clock. Say if I'm really, if I think, you know, I'm attached to this clock. I shouldn't be attached to this clock. If you're attached to things, if you're attached to clocks, you'll be reborn in some, in Switzerland. Or Japan, this is Japanese. 
And I don't want to be reborn in Japan or Switzerland. No, I've got to get rid of this cloth. And I throw it out the window. Now that, what is that? It's, it's, that's a vicha bhajaya. That's a vicha bhajaya sankara. Kind of, it seems, in a way, you, you, you've made something, you know, like you shouldn't be attached to the world. You shouldn't be attached to material things. You shouldn't be, all this sounds very right in a way. I mean, when we talk, you shouldn't be attached to anything. Don't be attached to anything. But that can still be coming from, from avicca bhajaya sankara, can't it? I shouldn't be attached to anything is a very much a, a rea- an affirmation of myself as being somebody who's attached to something and shouldn't be that way. I should be otherwise. So that's just a continuous, that's a trap of the mind. That's not a real uh, insight into gamma dhamma, bhava dhamma, vipava dhamma. But the reflection on what is attachment, say, uh, if I'm attached to this, I'm really obsessed by this clock, just throwing it away is not the way to, to solve the problem, is it? Just throwing it out the window, thinking that's, that's letting go of it. That's not. You, you're just, you, you're not really examining what that dana ubadana power sequence. So you're not, you won't get, a, you won't have an insight into letting go. You'll merely take a position against attachment, which is another kind of attachment. So we 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 now examine, look into attachment. And this is this is working on a much more subtle and, and realistic way than than just taking forming an opinion that we shouldn't be attached to anything. I remember Dr. Burns years ago used to this American that uh, disappeared mysteriously just before I came to England. But he's a psychiatrist, lived in Bangkok. He he used to do things like take somebody's watch, wristwatch, and then then they'd get upset and they said, see, you're attached to your wristwatch. You shouldn't be attached. And then he took his wrist, his own wristwatch and threw it away. And that proved he wasn't attached. He was bragging about this to me. Now this other person he's talking to wouldn't let him throw his watch away. So that person was attached. Now Dr. Burns proved he wasn't attached because he took his wristwatch and threw it away. So I said, you, you've missed it, friend. You're, you're attached to the view that, atta- that, that you're not attached to your wristwatch. That isn't letting go, is it? By throwing things away or going around being a smart aleck by saying, you're attached. I'm not. I can throw it away. There's a lot of self in that, isn't there? Look at me, I'm not attached to these wretched material things. And you can be quite proud of being not attached to this clock. So that the, the, it's not, it's not, so that reflection on this, we see attachment. We can, then we can, we don't have to get rid of things, but we can, we can not be attached to them. We can let go of them. 
not by throwing them out, but by understanding suffering and the, the suffering that results from being attacked. So we let go, which means that I can use this clock, but not, not make anything, not, not feel any attachment to it. Or if there is any slight remaining attachment, to, to be observant of it so that, so that you can let go and let it cease. It's not not a matter of getting rid of, but of um, of letting go, which is psychological. Throwing everything away can be another form of attachment. Just as it's not it's not the way to do it by throwing everything away. As you understand the the peace of non-attachment or, or, or of letting go and, and, you, and now the second noble truth leads to the third so that you, you when you let go something you're aware that there's no attachment to the five khandhas and there's awareness uh, that desire has been let go of and then the insight into the third noble truth of cessation. There is cessation. Desire ceases. Now that's a real... Uh, this cessation should be realized. It, I mean, then we have a, that insight that, uh, that we realize this cessation more and more. We begin to notice Non-attachment, in other words. We're aware of non-attachment, where before we weren't aware of non-attachment. How many of you are aware of non-attachment? You're usually conscious through being attached to things. You're either really ignorant, deluded, totally ignorant, totally deluded human being is only, is only alive through attachment, through desire. Just contemplate that. When you're not caught up in some kind of attachment to the five khandhas, you don't feel alive. You're nobody. You have to be, to, to, to be attached to the five khandhas and do things. You have to seek happiness and, and feeling angry makes you feel alive. Feeling lust makes you feel alive. Having neurotic problems. I'm, People get in, 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 say, in modern Western societies, feel alive by thinking of themselves as people with problems. You know, I'm an interesting person. I've got some very fascinating neuroses. I'm not just a boring old nobody with an empty mind. <coughs> I have fascinating uh, neuroses due to all kinds of traumas in early childhood and. <laughs> Attachment to, to a, a, a view of a self, uh, and it's not tomato the urinator. <laughs> it's tomato the the interesting neurotic, or tomato the the uh, the mystic, or tomato the the abbot. Now these are 
these are conditions that one can be attached to, isn't it? And we pray that that you might, you know, think of me as tomato the urinator, and I don't want that. You won't, don't want you to to think of me in that way. Aware of cessation, then insight into realizing cessation allows us to to that the self ceases. There's no self in that. The self, the there's uh, any view of self, me and mine. Attachment to the five khandhas. There's no there's non attachment. There's the letting go. The 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 realization of letting go is cessation, that, that what arises ceases, and the, re- and the cessation is noticed, seen, insight into cessation. Cessation should be realized, so that our practice then is one of, of, really re- of, of realizing cessation. That's when we talk about emptiness. We, we're realizing the empty mind, where there's no self. What, like when we, we meditate now, some of you very are gaining more and more kind of realization of the mind where there's nobody, no self, where the I am isn't, isn't you're not grasping the five khandhas as I am, me and mine. The empty mind, the silent mind, the clear mind, which is not anything, not anybody. There's just no sense of it being anybody. As soon as you, you as soon as you think this is my mind, then that's, uh, if you're not, if, you're, if you, if you uh, grasp that thought, then you're deluded again. Back into the samsara you go. But even if you should think my mind and see it as, as that which arises ceases, and non-grasping of it, then it's just merely a condition that goes through. It's not, it's not, there's no suffering from that. It's merely it's a dhamma. Sate sankara nita. So the cessation is peaceful, isn't it? When, you're, when there's no self, there's peace. When there's me and mine, then there's no peace, isn't it? There's always, I'm you know, there's always uh, some kind of anxiety, worry, threat, fear, jealousy, envy, lust, greed, confusion, delusion, all these go on. The I am. As soon as the I am arises and uh, and grasps, then it's the Sokaparite Vatukatomanas Upayasa. 
worry, isn't it? What is worry anyway, and anxiety? What is it? It's all from me and mine. When that when you let go, then there's a cessation of me and mine pieces. And there's peace, calm, clarity, dispassion, emptiness. Before uh, Pan Pramawangso left, he asked me about the the relationship of metta and the Brahma Viharas to the Patita Samupada. Because it might look like to some of you like we are this this is a kind of cold surgery, okay? <laughs> kind of a Now, in a, I observe that when there's no self, when there's no attachment, then the, 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 the natural kind of way of relating to others is through these metta, karuna, mudita, upeka. It's not, these are not from a self or from a vicha. They're not anymore an idea that I must practice metta or I must have more metta for everyone. I've got to develop metta, me, because I'm, I have a lot of aversion and I shouldn't, and I should have loving kindness for all beings, and I should feel compassion. Sometimes I just want to kill everybody, and I, well, I should feel a lot of karuna, and I should have mudita for people. I should be glad in other people's successes and be sympathetic with the, and joyful at their, at their good fortune. And, and I should be serene, too. So, but the, 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 uh, the Brahma Viharas is just kind of uh, as ideas for a selfish person. That's not, that's not the real practice of metta, karuna, mudita, peka. As the illusions of a self fall away, then this is a very, very natural way to relate. You don't become a, a, a vacuous zombie through understanding Dhamma. You, you still relate to each other, but it's through kindness and compassion and joy and serenity rather than through greed, hatred and delusion.
greed, hatred, and delusion come from the I am. From avicca, bhajaya, sankara, the lopa dosa moha operates. And the desire to become someone that has lots of metta and lots of karuna and all that kind of thing is still bhavadana, isn't it? I want to be a really kind person. I want to have a lot of mudita for everyone. And I should. So that can be, as, as concepts of perceptions, one can be attached to them, uh, egotistically attached. But that's not the, the purity, that Brahma Viharas are the divine or the pure abodes, purities of the heart. When the heart is pure, then, then this, these manifest through these human forms. If you notice that an unselfish human being, an unselfish human being, what do they, what do they generally manifest in the society? You could describe the manifestations through these four terms, couldn't you? Through metta, karuna, mudita, upeka. as that which manifests through unselfish human beings. And then apply that to, to our own practice now of, uh, of uh, contemplating Patita Samupada, when there's vita, knowing and seeing clearly, then that gives uh, total opportunity for the, on the, on the, on the conditioned plane that through this, this form here, then metta, karuna, mudita, upeka can, can manifest into the community, into the society, through these human forms. But it's not me, not mine. It's not Ajahn Sumato, the, the metta-filled Ajahn, other than Sumato the urinator, Sumato the, the metta, Metanator? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tomato, the, kind, the, the, the good guy. Tomato, the good guy. Tomato, the kind man. That's not. Not to just have a nice identity and a, and a, and a nice name uh, and be connected with, with the highest. Uh, kind of altruistic concept. But as soon as Sumato, as a, an illusion, as delusion, steps aside and ceases, and as metta, karuna, mudito, preka, as, as these, these uh, can manifest. And that's why the human, human state is a great blessing. Now, an unselfish human being is a great blessing to to all to the to the to the world, to all beings. And we talk about the ultimate merit or punya. And so when the when the self view is is uh, relinquished, then these these what remains is a great blessing. But it's not me. It's not I'm not a great blessing. All I can do in this conventional self, speaking of it, is to let go of, of delusion. 
to be mindful and not get attached to things, to see things clearly. That's what I can do. That's, my, that's the practice or the fourth noble truth, the development of the Eightfold Path. Amounts to merely that a vigilant, m- mindful, seeing things clearly, not, being, not getting attached, not being deluded. And then what happens is up to other things. It's not that I go around trying to, to have metta for everyone or, or feel compassionate. There's no need to go around trying to become tomato, the, the good guy anymore. That there's this goodness can manifest through this form if there's no delusion. And that's not a personal achievement or attainment at all. Merely the way things are. The way it happens to be. It's Dhamma. So I offer this for your reflection.